So, in over the last two years, I preached for the, through the book of Acts, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And that was for over two and a half years. And so with this, the Lord has led me now to teach the book of Yaakov, which is James or Jacob. And I shared that introduction on October 8th. Another book that we're starting today, just the introduction, and I, I promise this is not going to be four messages, four to five, like Alan was speaking of another uh, pastor that d does the introduction, and it's just, it lasts four or five messages. This will be done in, in one. It'll be done today, okay? And so with this, the Lord has, has me gone to now to First Thessalonians, and it's uh, chapter one. And so the title of this message is Rav Shaul's, the Apostle Paul's, Letter to the Messianic Community of Thessalonica. And this will be chapter one, but this is the introduction of this. Because we have to understand the time and the settings that these individuals were dealing with. How many of us have, have actually visited uh, Greece? Nobody here. And so I can also assume then you've never visited the city of Thessalonica. And so we have to understand the background of this. And so just to give you a background, and I'll just mention these because we have to complete this introduction today. Shaul, which is his Hebrew name. Paul would be his English name. From Acts 13.9, it speaks of him. Sila, Silas, mention him by name because he's another individual we'll be dealing with in this book. His name is mentioned in Acts 16, verses 1 through 3. Excuse me, Acts 15, verse 22. A third individual that's mentioned here, which is uh, Rav Shaul, a person that he's training, he's mentoring him as a young minister. His name is Timothy. And we we were introduced to him in Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. And so they, these three accompanied Rav Shaul on his second journey. And where is that found? In Acts chapter 15, verse 40, through chapter 18, 22. And of course, I'm not going to read all those verses to us today. So I'm just mentioning this for a background for your own personal study. But those of you who have been on the journey with us through the book of Acts, we have been on this journey together. And so Thessalonians is the ancient uh, city of Thessalonica, which today, if we looked on a map of Greece, we would find the name Salinkia. It's S-A-L-O-I-K-A. And it's in the region of the northern portion of Greece, which that area is currently called Macedonia. And so with this, we're going to now look at a background here. And this is Acts. If you'll turn with me now to the book of Acts, we're going to go to chapter 17, because this puts it in the proper perspective of what is going on as we enter into our journey into the book of 1 Thessalonians. And so here we are in Acts chapter 17. 
We'll begin at verse number one. After passing through Anipheles and Apollonia, Shaul and Sila came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue. According to his usual practice, Shaul went in, and on three Sabbaths, Shabbats, he gave them a drash, that is teachings from the Tanakh, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and that this Yeshua whom I'm proclaiming to you as Messiah, he is the Messiah. Some of the Jews were persuaded and threw their lot in with Shaul and Silah, as did great, many great of the Greek men who were God-fearers, those are those who've come to acknowledge that Judaism was the true light shining the direction to God the Father. And so also, and not a few of the leading women. But unbelieving Jews grew jealous. These are those who still have the veil over their eyes. And so they got together some vicious men from the riffraff hanging around the marketplace square and collected a crowd and started a riot in the city. They attacked Jason's house, hoping to bring Shaul and Silah out to the mob. But when they didn't find them, they dragged Jason and some of the other brothers before the city authorities and shouted, These men have turned the whole world upside down and have come here too. And Jason had let them stay in his home. All of them are now defying the decrees of the emperor because they assert that there is another king, Yeshua. Their words threw the crowd and the authorities into a turmoil, so that only after Jason and the others had posted bond did they let them go. But as soon as night fell, the brothers sent Shaul and Silah off to Berea. And so here we get a little bit about background, what's happening here. Because as we now go into the, the, the letters of 1 Thessalonians, we have to have this foundation set firmly. And scripture illuminates scripture. It reveals, and we have to understand in the time, the setting of what is speaking to, and also to us who are living in the future. So going forward here. So, Shaul met Timothy in Athens. And he sent him to Thessalonica. Shaul, now in Corinth, found in Acts chapter 18, verse 1 through 5, and I just mentioned this, he wrote this first letter, and the year was 51 Common Era. In response to Timothy's good report concerning the Thessalonican congregation, while Shaul and Silas entered Thessalonica for the first time, the sting of the recent events in Philippi was fresh in their memories. They had been beaten and imprisoned, and now they found themselves at a difficult threshold of Thessalonica. Undeterred by his Philippian experience, Shaul immediately proceeded to the local synagogue, as was his usual practice. For at least three Sabbaths, Shaul taught the people the Darash, teaching from the Tanakh. It was certainly longer than three weeks, given what he accomplished while he was there. And proof of this is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 2, verse 9, and also Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 through 16. 
Those who responded to the dress shot were Jews and also God-fearing proselytes to Judaism and also some of the leading women of the city, as we've just read in Acts 17, verses 4 through 5. When the unbelieving Jews, unbelieving that Yeshua was Messiah, heard that Shaul was teaching, they stirred up a mob and making it necessary for both Shaul and Sila to flee the city by night. That's found in Acts 17.10. So now the nature of the issues that Shaul had addressed was almost exclusively Jewish and reflects the Jewish messianic speculations that were present among the Jews of the Second Temple period. This is indicative of the community that clearly defined itself in Jewish terms while professing to trust that is faith in Yeshua as the Messiah of Israel. Many of them believed that Yeshua would return in their lifetime. Persecution was troublesome. For South Thessalonians chapter 2, verses uh, 17, and also through uh, three, chapter 3, verse 10. But they had, had to hold fast to the truth and long to see Shaul, as recorded in 1 Thessalonians 6, 3, 6 through 8. And now, let's, now let, let us look a little bit closer to what was going on. And also the relationship that Rav Shaul had with this brand new baby believers in Messiah, both Jews and Gentiles. So Shaul visited Thessalonica on his second and third missionary journeys. It was a seaport trade center, making it a logical place for Shaul to share the good news. Although Shaul was driven from there to the other end of Greece, Shaul did not lose connection with the young Messianic community. Shaul wrote two letters to the Thessalonians from Corinth. As a first century Shelachim apostle, Shaul had his hands full, lacking a completed Brit Hadashah, New Testament. Why? Because it was in the process of being written. And think of the time and setting here. Yeshua lived some 33 years on this earth. And you would subtract 33 to the year 51. That's not very, very long after both his death and his resurrection. And so God gave these Shelachim power and authority to begin to write the scriptures, following with signs and wonders that accompanied them. Continuing here. So, as a first century Shalakim apostle, Shaul had his hands full, lacking in the completed, the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament. He and his fellow Shalakim apostles had to personally wrestle with every question that surfaced in the young Messianic communities. And think about this. He was not only dealing with Jewish people who had the Tanakh for them to navigate through, but he also had all these people from the nations, multiple cultures coming in to receive Yeshua as the Messiah. And also they were receiving divine revelation so that they could write the word of God and then also explain what the Tanakh says and also explain to the Jewish uh, party of the Messianic believers how the Gentiles 
were to be grafted in into the commonwealth of Israel. So talk about juggling. And then in the process of that, having those who had the veil over their eyes, the Jewish people who had not received Yeshua, and then you have the world and its multiple gods and its culture. And so you have all this clashing going on. Can you imagine the time that Rav Shaul and all these other, other apostles spent in prayer asking for the clear word of the Lord and the instruction by the Ruach HaKodesh? Because they knew that everything that they said, everything that they wrote, would be one day judged. That is such a high calling. When you think about the prophets of the Tanakh and the apostles of the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament, so let us continue here. Today we are blessed as Messianic believers to open up what? Our Bibles. And to find the answers that we need. The Torah scrolls were in the local synagogue, but not everyone had access to them. But one tension remains, open-ended even now. The timing of Yeshua's return to earth. Yeshua undeniably taught his Talmudim that he would both leave this earth and then come back. And this is what it says in Yohanan John 14, beginning at verse 1. And I'm going to do this in both uh, two different versions. We're going to do it first in uh, the NIV. And this is how it's recorded. And if I prepare, and this is Yeshua speaking, Jesus. If I prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me that you may be with me, and you may be where I am. And now from the complete Jewish uh, study Bible, it says this, Yeshua speaking yet again, don't let yourselves be disturbed. Are we not disturbed today? Is not our world changing, our governments? It goes on to say this, trust in God and also trust in me. Not the rabbi standing behind the microphone, but Yeshua himself. In my father's house are many places to live. If it were not, I would have told you. Because I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Since I'm now going to prepare a place for you, I will return to you to take you with me, so that where I am, you may be also. Furthermore, you know where I'm going. And you know the way there. That's Yohanan John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Among Yeshua's true Talmudim, then, the fact that Yeshua's second coming is not in dispute. It is rather what when that, that sparks the disagreements. And that is what? When. And so, at the very beginning, Yeshua's Talmudim began questioning him before he even left the earth. We have to get familiar with this again, my brothers and sisters, so we'll have the proper foundation stones set for us. If you'd like to turn with me to Acts chapter 1, and we'll begin in verse number 6. Acts chapter 1 and number 6. This is some 40 days after Yeshua had rose from the dead. And it begins here. When they were together, who were there? The 11 Talmudim, why? Because Judas was no part of it. He went out and he hung himself. And so there's only 11 that are here. 
that were gathered. And when they were together, they asked him, who's the him but Yeshua? Lord, are you at this time going to restore self-rule to Israel? Think about that. What was on their mind? They knew that he was the promised Messiah. I mean, he just rose from the dead. What army could stand before him? He can walk on water. He could heal the sick. He could raise the dead. Is this not the appointed time? So that was the thing that they were desiring to hear from Yeshua. He answered, you don't need to know the dates or the times. The Father hath kept these under his authority. But you will receive power when the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, comes upon you. You will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Yehuda and Sharon. Indeed, to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up before their eyes in a cloud, hid him from their sight. As they were staring into the sky after him, suddenly they saw two men. These were angels dressed in white, standing next to them. The men said, Galileans, why are you standing staring now up into space? This Yeshua has been taken away from you into heaven, and he will come back to you in just the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Was there a chariot of fire? No. Was there a host of angels there? Was the armies of the Lord there to bring him up and place him in heaven? No. He went all by himself into a cloud. Continuing. So, on the very day that they asked Yeshua that question in Acts 1.6, as I said earlier, this was 40 days after he rose from the grave. Yeshua left again, ascending to he- into heaven, Acts 1.9. As they gazed into the clouds where Yeshua had vanished, wondering what it all meant, two angels told them that Yeshua would return the same way as they saw him depart. So it's talking about him coming back just as he went up into a cloud. Let's continue here. Yes, but when? As the Shelech came, the apostles set out to proclaim the good news to the ends of the earth, Acts 1.8. Yeshua's second coming still confounded them in one sense. The answer to their question was easy. No one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Where is that found? But in Matthew 25:36. And it says in a different translation. But when that, when that day and hour come, no one knows. The angels in heaven, nor the Son, only the Father. End of verse. Still, the first century Messianic believers had reason to believe that Yeshua might return in their lifetime. Shaul is among those Shelachim who wrote that the coming of the Lord is near. And where do we find that? But in Philippians chapter 4, verse 5. And Shaul even used we when referring to those who would be alive when Yeshua appears. Where is that written and recorded? First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. But the Thessalonian Messianic believers under persecution and still young in its understanding was now especially troubled about what happens to Messianic believers 
when they die and whether they have missed the second coming. So what it says that we are to never to be without hope. Shaul's time in Thessalonica was cut short and fast by the rising tide of persecution from his own fellow Jews who had the veil over their eyes. Just as Rav Shaul once had the veil over his eyes until he received the revelation of who Yeshua is, the promised Messiah. So knowing the difficulties facing these long young Messianic believers, Shaul now was now concerned about the fate of the Messianic community. So he sent Timothy to check on them. Why didn't he go himself? Because if he would have appeared in that town, what would have happened? He just would have raised up the right. And what would have been the bullseye after Rav Shaul was cast out? That young Thessalonical uh, Messianic community, both Jews and Gentiles, one Messiah. See, he used discretion and discernment. And so he sent Timothy to check on them. Where is that recorded? But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Timothy reported back a positive report. The Thessalonian Messianic community, in spite of suffering, was continued to trust and in love. They were growing in this. Where is that found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6? But Timothy also brought back to him the heartfelt concerns and questions of the Messianic believers in Thessalonica. Has Yeshua already returned? See, there was a false report. Those that came to that small, growing Messianic community, they had told them lies. And so they were concerned. Has Yeshua already returned? Another question that they had, how will we know? Will it be in our lifetime? Was another question. What if we die before Yeshua comes back? And what about our relatives who have already died trusting in Yeshua? Do they have the same hope? Or are they just lost out because they're not alive? Will we see one another again? Those loved ones that I have placed in the grave, will they remain in the grave forever? So these were all pertinent questions. So Shaul obviously spoken of Yeshua's second coming with these Messianic believers in Thessalonica in person since they raised further questions after his departure. The two letters to the Thessalonians written perhaps about six months apart from each other are known as Shaul's eschatological end time letters. Covering the subject in greater detail here in these letters than in any of the other letters. Shaul gave much needed answers to these young Messianic believers and also provided what is perhaps more important, how the return of Yeshua is the hope and the encouragement to those who long for his appearing. That's called our blessed hope in the book of Titus. So what it means, Yeshua's coming. Shaul's first letter to the Sassanolico uh, Messianic believers focuses on three these important themes. Our first one we look at today, perseverance in trials. Do you face trials today? We all face trials. 
the word says God does not lead us into what? Into temptation. But he allows trials in our lives to refine us that our hope, our trust, and our faith in him. Because it's not our political uh, leaders that gives us our provision. It's the Lord himself. So every chapter of 1 Thessalonians ends with a reference to the second coming of Yeshua. Probably to counter not only the reader's concern, but also the temptation to despair in the face of suffering. I've heard many believers in Messiah say this out loud. I just want to go home. This place is not my home. Maranatha, Lord, please come quickly. There are times when we feel that, do we not? If we're being honest. Let's continue. Shaul is obviously integrating the expected trials associated with following Yeshua. Did not Yeshua say, you have to deny the world, pick up your own execution, stake your cross, and follow me to die daily? We forget that as believers, do we not? Yeshua to the hope of Yeshua's appearing for his Messianic community. And where is this listed? 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. 2 Thessalonians 2, 19 and verse 20. 1 Thessalonians 3 through 13. Chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. And also chapter 5, verses 23 through 24. Next topic, dead in Yeshua. In details not found anywhere else in the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament, Shaul outlines the events of the Harpazo, caught up the rapture of the Messianic community. All Messianic believers who have died in Yeshua or are alive when Yeshua appears will be gathered to Yeshua as a single event in the unfolding of earth's final days. And where is that recorded? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Now what are we supposed to be doing now as we're waiting? Living in Messiah while waiting. Shaul was concerned about the holiness of the Messianic community in two areas as they lived in the light of Yeshua's return. Personal purity and also responsibility. Warning Messianic believers against using any delay in Yeshua's coming as license of immorality. Where is this recorded? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 8. Shaul encouraged to live up to every responsibility in both their families and in their community. By doing this, they would win the respect of the outsiders and not give their critics cause to persecute them even further. Where is this found? But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Next topic is the wrath of God. God's judgment. Shaul assured the Messianic believers that the judgment of God's wrath was reserved for those who reject the good news and not for them. And where is this found? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. Chapter 2, verse 16. Chapter 5, verses 3 through 9. The next area is the authentic, authenticity of integrity. Because Shaul had been removed from them 
in an untimely way, Shaul assured the Thessalonica Messianic believers that at his absence, his absence did not single a lack of commitment to them or any falsehood in his ministry or message. And where is this recorded? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, and chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Looking now for the strongest metaphor that he could find, Shaul compared himself to both a nursing mother, 1 Thessalonians 2, 7, and to an attentive father, 1 Thessalonians 2, chapter 2, verses 11 through 12, in his concern for their welfare. He prayed, he interceded for them. He shed tears on their behalf. Our next topic, and this is the final one, what it means for you, for us, as we live in the light of Yeshua's return. Two things are guaranteed for us all. That difficulty will come in this life and that Yeshua is coming back to gather up his people to be with him forever. Though no one can predict when Yeshua will return, the Lord is coming soon. Yeshua's return is imminent. It can happen at any moment. As Shaul stated, our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over and the day is almost here. That's Romans chapter 13, verse 12. But I want to give you a little bit more from the complete Jewish study Bible. And this is Romans chapter 11, verses 11 through 1211. Besides all of this, you know at what point of history we stand. So it is high time for us to rouse ourselves from our slumber, from our sleep. For the final deliverance is nearer than what we came when we came first to trust. The night is almost over. The day is almost here. So put aside the deeds of darkness and arm yourselves with the weapons of the light. Continuing. Thoughts and commentary. Since we don't know the precise moment, it could be any moment, as those who belong to Yeshua, we now live in that now and yet place for messianic and not yet place for messianic believers. Throughout history, we have lived where we are simultaneously long for Yeshua's appearing, watching and waiting for it, and still seek to live carefully in this present day. May our lives reflect that the truth in the face of difficulty, death, even our day-to-day -day service until Yeshua comes. And so we're going to read these 10 verses of First Thessalonians chapter 1. From Shaul and Sila and Timothy. To the Messianic community of the Thessalonians, united with God the Father and the Lord Yeshua the Messiah, grace to you and shalom. We always thank God our Father for all of you, regularly mentioning you in our prayers, calling to mind before God our Father what our Lord Yeshua the Messiah has brought about in you, how your trust produces action, your love and your hard work, and your hope in 
perseverance. We know, brothers, that God has loved and chosen you. That the good news we brought did not become for you a matter of only words, but also one power, the Ruach HaKodesh, and total conviction, just as you know how we lived for your sakes when we were there with you. You indeed became imitators of us and of Messiah Yeshua, so that even though we are going through several troubles, you received the word with joy from the Ruach HaKodesh. Thus you, beca- thus you became a pattern now for all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Think about that. Young Messianic believers, both Jews and Gentiles, now they're now setting the example for all those that are there. And even those congregations that have been older, they were given an example of how to walk by the power of the Ruach HaKodesh. Verse 8, for the Lord's message sounded forth from you not only in Macedonia and Acacia, but everywhere your trust toward God became known. The result is that we don't need to say anything. There's no rebuke. Remember we went through Revelation of those seven congregations? There was rebuke, but to them there's no rebuke. Since they themselves keep telling us about the welcome we received from you and how you turn to God from what? From idols to serve the true God, the one who is alive. So he's speaking to a mixed group of both Jews and Gentiles, one and Messiah. Those who came out of the world who are worshiping the pagan idols. So he's addressing them directly. Verse number 10. To wait for his son Yeshua, whom he raised from the dead to appear from heaven and do what? To rescue us from the appending fury, the wrath of God's judgment. Shabbat Shalom. Blessed be the name of the Lord.